Hello, how are you on this December 11th of, well, yeah, December and 2020. This is, I feel like my most important episode um, as of yet, out of all the ones I've done so far, Um, because I really have Dovin, Dovin? (laughs) I have dived, dived isn't a... (sighs) I dove headfirst into this transgenderism and what is the deal behind it and just massive research. It kind of, it kind of was like a snowball that was rolling down a hill and I followed one person on Twitter, followed another, and it was just like an awakening really of this thing that no one is really, no one, I don't like using the words no one or never, always, but a lot of people, the, the mass majority, just aren't aware of, including myself. Um, it's been really disturbing. Um, I'm really overwhelmed. All I want to do is consume everything about this because it's so unbelievably involved and complicated, um, you know, in terms of everyone's lives being affected by this, um, that I think there's so many stories that need to be told and you know, also with the stories is also the facts. And, you know, it's why I titled this the the fight to play God featuring big pharma and big tech. So uh, the question has emerged with me kind of why? Like, where did this come from? How did this happen so fast? Why is it seemingly everywhere? Uh, at least to me. And, you know, I, I think I've talked about it being like, I thought it was just a thing on Twitter. But we're just living in California, as I do. But when I research it more, I'm realizing that it started years ago. I don't know the, you know, what the exact date is in terms of what you want to classify as, quote, the start of it, the transgender movement. Um, but from the articles and journals and I'm not sure what you call them, kind of pamphlets, or whatever, to lobby against or lobby for their stance I've read from anywhere from 2010 to 2015 so as others have done I have come to the realization and conclusion it's really all about money and this is a thought I had before I even did all this research where I'm like it just seems like a money-making ploy where I read these stories or watch these documentaries or docuseries where it's just the the starting of going to a therapist or whatever you technically call it to figure out if you you know want hormones which inevitably always typically, always typically, yes, winds up into gender reassignment surgery. It seems to be an incredibly fast, expi- almost expedited process. And I don't, I, I think that's peculiar. And, you know, I'm not like a huge uh, into science or like research. I mean, I am now, but I, I haven't heard anything of being so rapidly done and almost not forcefully, but, uh, well, yeah, technically a lot of it is forceful. I'll just get into it. So, yeah, the money leads to large philanthropic, whatever. 337. Philanthropic. Yeah, so the, uh, you know, the money leads to large philanthropic. What? God. <laughs> philanthropic philanthropic yay i said it hold on let's see why doesn't it why can't it say it i don't know why google docs doesn't say it for me 
It leads to large foundations and pharmaceutical money. It is a corporate-driven profiteering by big pharma and big tech and supported by corporate culture, the global banking industries, and human rights organizations. There is a literal document available online to the public to read. Uh, It is the work of Denton's, which claims in the document itself it is the world's biggest law firm, as well as the Thompson Routers Foundation, an old media giant that appears dedicated to identity politics of various sorts, and the international lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, (gasps) breath, and intersex youth and student organization, which goes by IGLYO. So I did some research into who exactly Thompson Routers is and what or who Denton's is. Um, Thompson Routers was created by Thompson Corporations' purchase of the British company Routers Group in April 2008 and is majorly owned by the Woodbridge Company, a holding company for the Thompson family. The Thompson Corporation was one of the world's largest information companies. The Woodbridge Company Limited is a Canadian private holding company based in Toronto, Ontario. So this is basically a handbook for lobbying groups that want to remove parental consent over specific aspects of children's lives. I mean, it's a handbook written by an international law firm and backed by one of the world's largest charitable foundations reading this and discovering this was just the, one of the most eye-opening things I've, uh, you know, among my whole research about this is like, oh my God, this makes total sense. Now I get it. Now, I, you know, of course it's these big ass corporations that have billions that are behind this. So breaking down the document and there are outstanding parts. I have questions and intense issues over. Uh, in the beginning of the document, uh, which I'll, again, these links will be in my show notes. Uh, the beginning starts with principles of equality, recognition, rights to be heard, and health. It's, it's basically classic buffers to give you a feel-good appetizer before the main course arrives. So number six in that document says right to, deve- right to development of the child. States must protect the physical, mental, moral, social, cultural, spiritual development of children. That's just eerie in itself. Like, states must protect... I mean... Okay, I'm just going to keep reading. For example, states should take action against parents who are obstructing the free development of a young trans person's identity and refusing to give parental authorization when required. So, never mind the fact that your parents have, you know, birthed a, ch- a child... From them, you know, unless the kid's adopted, but still, you know, follow me here. You know, someone births a kid and the kid raises, is raised in that family and lives in that family. And, you know, it's a part of you and a part of your spouse um, in most circumstances. And obviously not always here. Wouldn't you think that the parent would kind of know better than the fucking state? Just, just, just a thought. Um, let's see. The next one is. Abolish sterilization and other compulsory medical treatment and review requirements for legal recognition to avoid abuse. So I've read that before and I'm like, Steril- abolish sterilization? What? And I was like, maybe that's a different meaning than what I know the word is sterilization. So let's dissect this term sterilization and other compulsory medical treatment quote, shall we? From the 22 superscript, that is, uh, you know, a little numerology that's uh, higher than the 
word. It's next to the word medical treatment. It's basically, you know, citations underneath that written text where you can reference what they're talking about. Um, and I, I, and boy, did I. So from the 22 superscript titled 25th in 2015, Discrimination Against Transgender People in Europe, the assembly calls on member states to develop quick, and I uh, bolded that, quick, develop quick, transparent, and accessible procedures based on self-determination for changing the name and registered sex of transgender people on birth certificates, identity cards, passports, educational certificates, and other similar documents. Make these procedures available for all people who seek to use them, irrespective of age, medical status, financial situation, or police record. Um, just because you feel that um, going on. This is a... This was also like the, wow, they're not even hiding it. It's in their document. Uh, so this is a, yeah, I mean, in, in line with what I said above, but I go on to expand a little bit more on it. Abolish sterilization and other compulsory medical treatment, as well as a mental health diagnosis. Uh, what? So get rid of any sort of mental health diagnosis at all. You can't, I mean, you can't even question it. Not allowed. I mean, do you, I'm not making this shit up. Like, this is absurd. Never mind that nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, it's a mental health issue. So it's just, they, they fucking know what they're playing with. And they're being, I, I think, extremely devious about this. Uh, I think that's very messed up. And I think that if there's something going on in your life, where you're just struggling in general. I'm not talking about transgender or anything. I mean, it's just in general, you know, you're, you're depressed. Um, your work life sucks. I don't know. You know, I think it's always, always, always beneficial to talk to a therapist, uh, someone who can analyze it um, and figure it out and help walk you through it. And I'm not talking about a gender therapist, by the way, because they're obviously going to sway you the one way. Um, and I've read countless stories of that happening. Um, you know, young people going to a therapist to help them figure out what's going on with them. And it it, it, it quickly uh, made them, you know, decide to do the trans treatment. Um, and uh, yeah, anyways. So now on to superscript 23 from 2010 titled. So the, the superscript 23 falls in line in the same sentence as um, abolished sterilization. The 23 is and review requirements for legal recognition to avoid abuse. Uh, let's see. There it is. From, it's from 2010. It's titled Recommendation of the Committee of Ministers to Member States on Measures to Combat Discrimination on Grounds of Sexual Orientation or Gender Identity, bearing in mind the principle that neither cultural, traditional, nor religious values nor the rules of a dominant culture can be invoked to justify hate speech or any other form of discrimination, including on grounds of sexual orientation or gender identity. So, you know, I understand what they're saying about religious values and, um, yeah, but what really bothers me, and I wish they would kind of expand on this, is what exactly, and this is in quotes, nor the rules of a dominant culture so I'm like, what do it seems to me, and I, you know, this is an assumption, and I'm not going to say that this is what they're, that actually means, but I take the dominant culture as like science and biological truths. Um, 
there, to me, it just reads as they're allowed to call someone reciting bio, bio, biological or scientific facts as hate speech. And I don't need to tell you that that's insanely absurd. <sighs> Let's go on. I mean, this is just bothersome, just reading over it. it was, it's been bothersome. Bothersome doesn't even cover it. It's been really heart-wrenching and mind-fucking to me personally as a female. Uh, and I'm not even a mom, but, you know, I'm hoping to have a child in the next uh, couple of years. This is stuff that is just obviously horrifying. So the next one is eliminate the minimum age requirement. Where legal recognition procedures require prior medical treatment or investigation, these are often only available at the legal age of maturity and thus discriminate based on the age of the applicant. And other cases where there is no medical, requir- no medical requirement, minors are barred from legal recognition unless they have parental authorization. This remains a huge hurdle for young trans people who are yet to reach the age of maturity. no barriers should render the procedure inaccessible if a young trans person cannot fulfill certain requirements for example an age requirement they should not be barred from having their gender identity recognized on to the next one, extending the process to minors. This just seems so perverted to me. Uh, like, I don't think this belongs even remotely in the realm of gender, altering a gender, like literal altering young children's and babies and toddlers' bodies. It's obviously for some fucking agenda. Sorry, this makes me furious. The the fact that people stand by this like it's normal and okay. Jeez. Okay, let me start that over. Extending the process to minors. It is recognized that the requirement for parental consent or the consent of a legal guardian can be restrictive and problematic for minors. During interviews and research into the standards set in good practice countries, there was some disparity in terms of the access for minors to legal gender recognition. Norway is the most liberal, with legal gender recognition being available at any age. Oh my god. Although with certain conditions for different age groups, for example, minors under the age of six, under the age of six, can only have their legal gender altered if they are intersex. Okay, yes, obviously. Intersex is a general term used for a variety of conditions in which a person is born with a reproductive... Uh, repro- oh, no, no, no. 1512. For example, minors under the age of six can only have their legal gender altered if they are intersex. Intersex is a general term used for a variety of conditions in which a person is born with reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't seem to fit the typical definitions of female or male. For minors between 6 and 16, it is available with parental consent. And for those over 16, a self-determination... Oh my god. And for those over 16, a self-determination model operates... So if you decide, I want to be this, when you're under 20 years old, 
you you can do that. And oh my God, minors between the age of six, six, six and sixteen. Man, those ages are meant for growing up, discovering who you are, and like, and not obsessing over gender. And I mean, this is so perverse to me, man. Now onto the next one, which is titled "Hate Speech." Member states should take appropriate measures to combat all forms of expression, including in the media and on the internet, which may be reasonably understood as likely to produce the effect of inciting, spreading, or promoting hatred or other forms of of discrimination against lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender persons. Such, quote, hate speech should be prohibited and publicly disavowed whenever it occurs. All measures should respect the fundamental right to freedom of expression in accordance with Article 10 of the Convention and the case of law of court. And the case law of the court. But I'm like, how is that not literally going against freedom of expression when they're saying to combat all forms of expression in the same sentence, paragraph, I guess, including in the media and on the internet? Which is, this is so very clear to me why these people, you know shout at you with anger when 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 i when me and the rest of the world speak uh, on biological scientific terms and they call it hate speech and 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 like i'm just like are you fucking kidding me so it's very obvious to me once you read this huge document and especially their bullet points on how they think they're getting away with this because it's a very delusional twisting of reality and i think other protective laws to work in their favor for this agenda. Um, so I'm going to read you an exchange with someone on the T-Trans Reddit that, I mean, it literally proves anything, and I mean anything, can be labeled as hate speech if they say so. So the uh, post was about um, someone that's kind of active in, the, in the, active in the community, kind of getting people to just think and have conversations, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, and they're like, what do you think about Abigail Schreier's uh, Irreversible Damage book? Um, the book has been fairly controversial in most circles from what I've been seeing, says the poster. So let's go down to what I said. Let's see. Um, someone said, uh, let's, let's just start at at this, uh, this person, unseemly underscore gentleman. They say, and I quote, while I respect the content of the book itself, the author herself is transphobic and the book is intended to scaremonger with parents, so I have a very low opinion of it. Someone replies to that and says, what makes you say that? I've only watched an interview and she seemed like the nicest person who wants to protect girls. So I will tell you, for me, myself, Lindsay, um, I've read the book. I've listened to it. I watched her interview on Joe Rogan. I've watched her interview on Benjamin Boyce's uh, podcast, which I guess is his YouTube channel. I believe he records it for YouTube, and it's also obviously a podcast. And Benjamin Boyce is an awesome, awesome person, and he does a lot of interviews from detransitioners and, you know, Abigail and Dr. Deborah So and all sorts of people just having conversations, um, and it's fantastic. Anyways, um, yeah, so I've seen nothing where she has a phobia. So let, let me get on here. Uh, and, and to the person who said, what makes you say that? I've only, she seems like the nicest person. I said, 100% this. I find most folks who have not read the book will say this copy-paste reply to the book, quote, it's transphobic. And every time I question if they have read it, I never get an answer. 
I say always press people to have a conversation instead of that shit is turf or transphobic, etc. This is a common tactic to shut down conversations. Don't fall for it. And the unseemly gentleman writes back to me and says, prove to me that it's not transphobic. They typo transphobic. And I said back to this person, prove to me that you think it's transphobic. I'm not going to sit here and recite the entire book, but the book to me was very well-researched and well-spoken. Using biological science is not a phobia. Nowhere in her book did she mention she is afraid of anyone transgender. And I quote, uh, you know, the, defini the definition of a phobia is an exaggerated, usually inexplicable and illogical fear of a particular object, class of objects, or situation. This is literally what they write back. Uh... Let's see here. Da, 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 da. Uh, well, I, also in uh, in line with that, I said, "Have you read Have you read the book front to back?" They said, "I have no intention of giving her my money." In the weeks since this post, I have seen firsthand excerpts in full context. By the way, they edited this afterwards. It didn't say that when I first read this. They're right. From the book that proved to me it's poorly researched, biased, and bigoted, the way she talks about trans men who are internet influencers as being both infantile, misguided little girls and a nefarious predator just disgusts me and comes directly from the fascist playbook of the enemy is both powerful and weak. They say, edit. However, I will read it front to back, as you say, as I want to form a full and complete opinion of it, which is actually amazing they wrote that. Uh, it's hard to say that because they're, actually, they're pretty. Anyways, I'll keep going. I said, I know this is long, but trust me, it's worth it. I said, which fascist playbook are you quoting or referencing? Things taken out of context isn't ever the correct way to inform someone on what was actually written. Welcome to the internet where things are constantly taken out of context to work for an agenda or what have you. Where are the ex excerpts coming from? An unbiased place or heavily weighing on one side of the argument? Think about your sources is all I'm asking. It would be beneficial to you to read it yourself so then you can really decide for yourself on what you think. Instead of piggybacking on someone else's thoughts and opinions, I am not trying to change your mind even remotely. That is futile. I simply want you to remain hungry on research and discovery. Namaste. And I meant it. I, I am genuinely coming from a place in this D-Trans subreddit of helping people out. And again, I'm not trying to change anyone's mind. That's not my place. And I think that's, like I said, it's just pointless. It's not... Uh, no, I don't play that game. I just think it's important for people to think of other perspectives and other things and what this very narrow channel of transgenderism seems to be. It doesn't even seem to be. It, to me, it, it is. You know, what, don't think outside of it. And if, if, if anything comes from outside of what we are told you to believe and what you, quote, now believe, uh, you, you get to label it as hate speech or just shout out, uh, you know, crazy terminologies like, uh, transphobic or turf, which is trans exclusionary radical feminist. Lordy. <laughs> okay, sorry. Let me get on track here. So I ended it with namaste. And this is literally what they wrote back here. Why is it always the most hateful people who conclude statements with namaste? That's what they wrote after my, what fascist playbook are you quoting? Um, you know, question where your sources are coming from. You know, I, I recommend that it be beneficial for them to read the book themselves. And I want them to remain hungry on research and discovery. And somehow, somehow, that is taken as hateful because I wrote the word namaste. I said nothing. And I wrote back, of course, uh, I, you know, this is a pointless. At this point, I realize this person is it's going to be pointless and they just want to fight. I said nothing I said was hateful. Please do not distort reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
This is the last thing they wrote. I'm not going to, this is, yeah. They said, I'm not distorting reality. You love a book that is filled with hate, and you have been incredibly mean-spirited towards me. I know a bully when I see one after the years of abuse from women I've faced. <laughs> and then the next sentence is, but aside from that, I'm curious on your thoughts to my reply in the other part of this discussion. I'm like, okay, you are mentally ill, and it's very clear to me. I mean, a lot of the people on the internet, especially Reddit and Twitter, are in fact mentally ill. And especially transgender and detrans people are really mentally struggling. And this person is, I mean, not living in, in the reality of the rest of the world. So I, I obviously can't, you know, carry on conversations like that with someone. It's, it's, it's literally pointless. I think this was a perfect example of a, this kind of mentality of, of, you know, coming from me coming from a calm place, trying to have a conversation, um, you know, just being very neutral, and then it's labeled as hateful. Hateful. And also, I was called a, and I'm a bully somehow? And I'm also mean-spirited? Can you tell me, tell me, uh, you know, in the Patreon comments, or email me, distortedlens at gmail.com, where was, where was I hateful? Where? You know, I, I think that once I've, once I look at that and then I read through the, uh, uh, I-G-L-Y-O's document, which by the way is titled only adults question mark, good practices and legal gender recognition for youth. Once I read that and then I see how these, the transgender cult, aggressive cult acts online, it's very clear to me that they don't, they don't play the same game which is reality and science, and they literally find ways to twist everything. So it's it's almost borderline impossible to talk to them because it doesn't matter what you say. It's going it, to... It doesn't work. There's no way to get... It's just like... It's coming from two different like uh, realities, and it just doesn't... Man. Fuck. Anyways... Uh, yep, so I did that. So let's go back to the, uh, I-G-L-Y-O, Iglio, <laughs> Uglio, I don't know, document. Uh, eliminate the minimum age requirement. What? Why? Why? Just reading this, I'm like, you know, a lot of these things don't seem to be logical, or logically sound, or in the good, you know, none, this stuff doesn't seem to be for the good of the human. Like, it's very clear to me. This is, uh, you know, underneath the eliminate the minimum age requirement bracket, it says self-defined based on self-determination. And then this was what kills me. Quick. The time between applying and being granted legal recognition should be as fast as possible. What is up with that? Like, why? What's up with that? Self-determination? Hi, I think I'm a sunflower. You need to call me a sunflower. And if you don't, you're a fucking bigot and... You're a sunflower phobic. Okay? Nope. <laughs> so I'm going to read some points from an article by James Kirkup called The Document That Reveals the Remarkable Tactics of Trans Lobbyists. Um, and he basically dissected the the, uh, the document that I am currently talking about, the I-G-L-Y-O one, that is indeed titled Only Adults? Question mark? Good Practices and Legal Gender Recognition for Youth. Uh, so in James's article, this is a snippet I took out of it and said, quote, here's a broad observation from the report 
about the best way to enact a pro-trans agenda. And then he's quoting the um, document. While cultural and political factors play a key role in the approach to be taken, there are certain techniques that emerge as being effective in progressing trans rights in the good practice countries. Among those techniques is get ahead of the government agenda. And James goes on to say, what does that mean? Here it is in more detail, quoting again the document. In many of the NGO advocacy campaigns that we studied, there were clear benefits where NGOs managed to get ahead of the government and publish progressive legislative proposal before the government had time to develop their own. NGOs need to intervene early in the legislative process and ideally before it has even started. This will give them a far greater ability to shape the government agenda and the ultimate proposal than if they intervene after the government has already started to to develop its own proposal. That is so sneaky to me. I mean, it's very clear that this is a under under the wire, under the... They sneak through this shit to get ahead of the government, man. So, yeah, James says, um, another recommendation is even more revealing. Avoid excess press coverage and exposure. According to the report, the countries that have moved most quickly to advance trans rights and remove parental consent have been those where the groups lobbying for those changes have succeeded in stopping the wider public learning about their proposals. That is an ultimate snake, devious, deceptive just, I mean, it's in the proof is in the pudding, man. That, that that pudding is fucking dark, dude. I'm sorry, I don't think that's an honorable thing. It's 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 so it's so, yeah. I'm just gonna start repeating myself. Devious, sneaky, and I see right through that shit. And at the end of his article, he writes, "No policy made in the shadows can survive in the sunlight." And I love that. I love that. I love it. <sighs> so let's go back to the. Uh, I-G-L-Y-O document. Next one. Excuse me. Be wary of compromise. A final lesson from the campaigns we studied is that activists should be wary of compromise. Compromise can be a double-edged sword. For example, in Ireland, compromise on legal gender recognition for young trans persons was critical to getting the legislation passed, but it might take years to revise the legislation to render it more favorable to trans youth. I love how they're like, be careful of compromise, which they're basically saying, don't fucking do it because then we won't get our way. Oh, God. Oh, jeez, man. Mm -mm. So... There's, you know, among all my research, I have found a blog called the 11th Hour Blog. And, you know, I, I, you know, there's a lot of opinions floating around the internet. And I can't, you know, I don't even know where to go from there. From what I've read of this article and this woman who writes this, I, she opened my eyes completely to the depths of what this is. And she has so many cited resources And, um, you know, it's very obvious to me that she's done her homework exponentially. And, um, yeah, man, like, I don't doubt what she says at all, even though it sounds so conspiracy like because it's so dirty and dark. But this is reality. And there's a lot of conspiracies. Not a lot. I don't want to say a lot, but some conspiracies are fucking true, man. 
Um, so Jennifer Bilek, as she does, she runs the 11th Hour blog, is an investigative journalist, artist, and concerned citizen. She has been following the money behind the transgender agenda for six years, and she belongs at the 11th Hour. Oh, golly. So let's see. Where is that? Constructing the legal lie. There it is. I am definitely going to read the whole thing. I contemplated breaking it up and, um, you know, trying to make it more palatable and maybe not as long. But I think what she wrote is so important. And it's only a three-minute read. It's actually not that long. Um, and I don't want to break this apart because she did the homework and I've checked into her sources that she links. There's links all over it. And again, I will include all these links that I'm mentioning in the show notes. So you can check it out for yourself because I do encourage that. And if you find anything that can combat what this says, I, I absolutely welcome it. I really honestly do. So the title is Constructing the Legal Lie of the Transgender Child Part 2. Uh, I found the part two to be, um, they're both important, but anywho. So she goes on to write. In my last post, I speculated about why Denton's, the largest law firm in the world, and Routers, a media, corporate tax, and law conglomerate, are interested in constructing for free the legal lie of transgender children. In an effort to find answers to anything, my MO is always to hashtag follow the money. Let's follow the money trail back from ILGYO, the small LGBT NGO for which Denton's and Routers collaborated on a guide which is that um, the, the guide I've been referencing. She breaks it, obviously, in this article, breaks it down into a lot of... This is heavy wording, so... Um, and, yeah, anyways. ILGYO is part of Transgender Europe Network, the largest funding and political apparatus driving the normalization and depathologizing of transgenderism in Europe. It consists of 129 member organizations across Europe and Central Asia and 44 different countries. TGEU is in turn funded hundreds of thousands of dollars by Arcus Foundation, one of the largest LGBT NGOs in America whose founder funds his organization from the profits of his medical supply corporation. So we have a medical corporation with over $13 billion whose heir is funding the normalization of transgender children from his own medical fortune. Arcus supports myriad programs across the globe to drive the idea that children can be the opposite sex, such as Gender Spectrum and GLSEN, whose founder Kevin Jennings was brought to Arcus in 2012 as executive director. This pattern is being repeated by other corporatists with heavy investments in big pharma, such as George Soros, who has substantial stock in CVS, Johnson & Johnson, and other medical pharma corporations. Soros's Open Society Foundation is working to construct, along with Arcus and TGEU, the idea that children being medicalized for life is just another way to be human. This new way to be human for children being funneled into youth, quote, gender clinics involves dangerous drugs and medical procedures that assist them in hiding the fact that they are either biologically male or female. In 2013, Arcus Foundation brought over Adrian Coman from Soros's Open Society as the director of their human rights department. Warren Buffett is another billionaire with substantial stock along with Soros and CVS. He too owns stock in Johnson & Johnson, 61 million shares. Buffett has provided enormous funding to his offspring's NGO, serving the LGBT gender identity narrative in collaboration with Arcus Foundation. I'm going to take a sip of water because that was heavy, heavy info bombs, really. And what is the, she's got, she goes to write on, 
And what is the gender recognition for youth being constructed by those invested in the medical in industry exactly? We do not have a clear legal definition of gender identity that is not tautological. The Yogha, okay, uh, Yogyakarta principles plus exclamation mark zero is the document on the application of international human rights law, which initiated gender identity as a legal concept. It has been driven with money from Arcus Foundation through our political structures and provides a definition of gender identity as, quote, each person's is deeply felt internal and individual experience of gender. Aren't we really talking about biological sex? Biological sex seems to be what is deconstructed in the global push to change the definition of female to include male, which deconstructs sex as a meaningful definition. The erasure of sex on birth certificates, passports, medical reports, crime reports, and even credit cards are about the deconstruction of sexual dimorphism. The inclusion of men and women's safe houses and sports under the guise that they identify as female is a denial of biological sex. What we can see in this trajectory, tra trajectory is a clear money trail from the pharmaceutical lobby to the construction of a legal lie that supports newly constructed medical identities that override biology. Biological reality is being legally queered, it would appear, to pave the way for more and more complex changes to human biology and children's bodies are being used as, as the fodder for this experiment. This experiment is being run by the richest global corporatists who naturally use the largest and richest legal structures, dentons and routers, to construct their lie. The laws being constructed are not to protect people who wish to express themselves differently than gender stereotypes allow, but to legalize changes to human biology. I mean, this is so overwhelming. This was really, I had a, I almost got like dizzy from this reading all this, it's, it's truly horrifying to me that this is, a, I, and I knew, and I'm, I, I'm not surprised, I knew it was something really deep and, you know, um, big pharma related and someone's making money off this. It was very obvious to me because none of this seemed to make sense, honestly. So let's see, let me continue on here. Um, in one of Benjamin Boyce's YouTube uh, videos where he interviews a D trans person named Helena. The video is called Growing Out of Groupthink. She said something that stuck out to me. She said, The older people in these organizations are completely at the mercy of these ideologues that have infiltrated it. So, you know, in terms of many of organizations, there's a lot of older people that are, yeah, at the mercy of these ideologues, like people with these ideas. And yeah, they've honestly, like a virus of, in a snake, snuck in. Let's get on here. Oh, goodness gracious. So, um, did she mention Goldman Sachs in that? Let me, pretty sure. Mm, hmm. Goldman Sachs has a gigantic part with this as well. Um, hmm. Anyways. Goldman Sachs wrote an article saying, bringing your authentic self to work, pronouns. I'm going to read from their website. Let's, where, let's see. 
Oh, goodness gracious. Defining pronouns. A gender-neutral or gender-inclusive pronoun is a pronoun which does not associate a gender with the individual who is being discussed. The list below represents the most common feminine, masculine, and gender-neutral pronouns. However, it's worth noting that this is not an exhaustive list. Exhaustive. I know what that means, but this is exhausting. Exhaustive list of gender-neutral pronouns. Any combination is possible. And people should select the pronouns that most accurately reflect their gender identity. By the way, okay, let me just read this. I'm sorry. It's hard to not to add my own dialogue. I'm not going to read these because it's, it's like, wow, I'm not an idiot, nor is anyone reading this. They ex- explain feminine pronouns as she, her, her, herself, masculine, he, him, him his, himself, obviously. Hi, what, what are we like in sixth grade here or whatever grade you learn this? And gender neutral is they, them, they're themselves. Examples, they went to the store. I spoke with them. The apple was theirs. By the way, I'm, what is this fucking, uh, call me they, I'm, I'm they, them. They, them? Uh, what? I, anyways. And then the next one is gender neutral. Z, zer, zem, zers, zez, zer self, and zem self. Examples. Z went to the store. I spoke with zer or zem. The apple was zers or zez. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Absolutely not. No, ma'am. No, sir. That was me saying that, by the way. You know, beginning with get the fuck out. Christ. Um, and then they mentioned gender neutral alternative to using pronouns. Blah, 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 blah. This just makes me want to throw up. Just, just, it's so unnecessary. Gender neutral is like name. Like Lindsay went to the store. I spoke with Lindsay. The apples was Lindsay's. Anyways. <sighs> Tips for being an inclusive ally. Pronouns should not be assumed by someone's name or gender expression, i.e. physical appearance. These, these are just, by the way, obviously, rules and ways that they can be like, this is hate speech. This person assumed my gender by looking at me. Oh, God. The next one is, made a mistake? Don't make it a big deal. Don't make a big deal out of it or draw extra attention to it, which is crazy to me, by the way, because this is obviously, all this shit is a ploy for attention. Walking irony, as usual. They go on to say, instead, make a swift apology and use the correct pronouns moving forward. Like, so, it's just like a whack on the back of the knee. On your knees and apologize right now. I mean, what the fuck, man? Apologize? Anyways, practice using gender neutral pronouns on your own time. <clears throat> Even my voice is like, hell no. (laughs) Feeling comfortable with these terms does not happen immediately and can require concerted effort. Recognize that some people can, some people go by multiple sets of pronouns while others may choose to only use their name and eschew pronouns completely. How the fuck? Okay, I'm sorry. Just keep reading, Lindsay. It is usually acceptable to use the they, them pronoun set when referring to someone who has not expressly stated their pronouns. No, I I will not. Next one is proactively share your pronouns to foster an environment of respect and awareness. Hi, example is, hi, I'm Karen. My, by the way, hilarious word there. Hi, I'm Karen. My pronouns are she, hers. Welcome to the team. Shut the fuck up. Sorry. Um, Let's see. Next one is, uh, oh no, that's it really. But, uh, so the people that wrote this are, actually, it's, is it? I don't even know who wrote it, but they go on to, at the end of this article saying, uh, it's unclear who actually wrote this, but seems to be that there's a panel written with Sarah McBride, National Press Secretary for the Human Rights Campaign, Human Rights Campaign, 
Red, red flag right there. HRC is extremely questionable to me. It's a cult. I'm just going to say it. Julian Weiss. I need to read more about civil rights campaign, by the way. Julian Weiss, civil rights attorney representing LGBT employees. And Katie Kraski, finest division of Goldman Sachs. Ooh. Back to notes there. Um, yeah, something I wrote down here. Making sure that when they hear a comment or a joke that even unintentionally demeans trans people, that they can speak out because those little indignity, indignities in the workplace, those can create a culture where more pervasive discrimination or even violence can occur. Jesus Christ. Unintentional demeans trans people? It seems to me like they're, they can twist anything into I'm offended. I mean, and I mean anything because they're using this unintentionally demeaning. And I, I love how they exaggerate and really exacerbate, like, blow up what they're saying. Even violence can occur. Oh, Christ. And I'm not saying violence doesn't occur, by the way, but catastrophizing, catastrophizing much? Jeez, I feel like I say that wrong all the time. Um, to add on to this of, you know, this craziness... There's an article I read today, and the title is, Why Are the Police Stopping a 70-Year-Old Tweeting About Transgenderism? And I'm going to read from it. You know, again, I again was going to cut this up and make it into my own words, but I really think it's just, you know, the person did the homework here, and it's well-written. Um, I am going to skip around a bit, but obviously picking out the parts that I think are more important. Margaret Nelson is a 74... Ugh, I tried. <laughs> Margaret Nelson is a 74-year-old woman who lives in a village in Suffolk. On Monday morning, she was woken by a telephone call. It was an officer from Suffolk Police. The officer wanted to speak to Miss Nelson about her Twitter account and her blog. She wrote in her blog. Uh, one of them on Twitter, actually, was gender is BS, pass it on. And then she wrote, genders, genders is fashionable nonsense. Sex is real. I have no reason to feel ashamed of stating the truth. The bloody annoying ones are those who use the words like cis or turf and other BS and relegate biological women to a subset. Sorry you believe the mythology. Um, yeah, she also writes on her blog about uh, death and funeral rituals because she has officiated a lot of funerals in her blog post from January 19th, 2018. <clears throat> she challenges the statement that trans women are women. On the grounds that a person's proclaimed gender does not change their biological sex, she writes, If a transgender person's body was dissected, either for medical education or a post-mortem examination, his or, her his or her sex would also be obvious to a student or pathologist. Not the sex that he or she chose to represent as, but his or her natal sex. The sex that he or she was born with. Even when a body has been buried for a very long time so that there is no soft tissue left, only bone, it is still possible to identify the sex. DNA and characteristics such as the shape of the pelvis will be clear proof of the sex of the corpse. <sighs> so Miss Nelson, this woman, um, uh, said this about the call from the police. She said, the officer said she wanted to talk to me about some of the things I'd written on Twitter and my blog. She said that some of the things that I had written could have upset or offended transgender people. So could I please stop writing things like that? And perhaps I could remove those posts and tweets. She asked the officer if she agreed that free speech was important. She said it was. And she said in that case, she'd understand that she wouldn't be removing the post or stop saying things that she thinks. 
She accepted that and that that and that was the end of the conversation. Miss Nelson says that the officer made no suggestion that anything she had done was illegal. She said the officer gave no reason for the call. She later asked the Suffolk force for an explanation on Twitter, and they said they wrote back the police force. Hi, Margaret. We had a number of people contact us on social media about the comments made online. A follow-up call was made for no other reason than to raise awareness of the complaints. Kind regards, web team. Uh, what the f- What? Huh... Yeah, the, the person who wrote this article, I believe, again, is, let me go to the bottom and make sure, is James Kirkup. He said, uh, you know, what I'm reading, uh, read that police statement again and consider those words. A sworn officer of the law took the time and trouble to call an utterly law-abiding woman to ask her to stop saying things that might cause offense for no other reason than to raise awareness of the complaints. You know, there's a lot of these things going on that are just extreme red flags of something is going on. Why are the police acting in this way? What training have officers received in relation to transgender issues and from whom? Are some people or organizations deliberately and vexatiously exploiting some police forces' stance on this issue to instigate police action against people who say things they do not like? Could such police actions exert a chilling effect on the expression of opinion on transgender issues? Isn't it possible that some people will now think I'd best not say what I think about sex and gender, or the police might be in, might, might get involved? You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. God, that's just, what in the hell? You're wasting police officers' time because someone got offended? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry. This is kind of blowing my mind. I can't even really dissect what, what I feel about that besides utter bullshit and a waste of actual, you know, police force. Um, I mean, it's like the equivalent of, Daddy... My, you know, a brother in the car. Brother touched his arm on my leg or, like, crossed sat too close to me in the car or touched my arm you know it's like uh okay uh deal with it um you need to deal with uh people having opinions and if you can't then don't read it like and obviously what she wrote that you know old woman um aged woman uh, is her opinion and it's not hate speech man so my god also there's a, a billboard that was put up in la and it simply says All it says is I love J.K. Rowling, and it was taken down after a day. It was also put up uh, like a mile away from a Kaiser hospital, which is one of the biggest hospitals in L.A. that does uh, transgender surgeries. So things that make you go, hmm. Um, And that that billboard was supposed to stay up for a month. And uh, they claimed that they they received too many complaints about it or some shit. Come on, man. We all know what this shit is. (sighs) Jesus Christ. So, um... You know, I want to also piggyback on all this, obviously, and I'm going to provide my counterpoints on trans speak here. Uh, If there's so many rules on how to speak to these special individuals, then how are we even going to feel comfortable talking to them at all? No matter how we approach anything, we're screwed. With so much policing of don't say this, don't ask this, or ask this and say this, do they really think that that's a welcoming place for someone who doesn't understand their choices and wants to learn and ask questions? We aren't even allowed, especially if anything can be deemed as hate speech. 
it's the least welcoming atmosphere for someone to approach their situation. You know, it's no longer okay to be curious. One of the points a transgender group says is, ask what you can do to help. That's a lot of, you know, it's a literal, uh, you know, I don't know what you call it, like their statements of how to uh, accept transgenderism. You know, they have these little bullet point things, kind of like the Goldman Sachs things I read. You know, ask what you can do to help. Um, Why would anyone want to do this when most of all the other genuine curious questions are policed out of the conversation? It's delusional, man. You know, when they remove conversations that can be hard to talk about, they remove learning and growing from those hard situations. I think going through troublesome conversations only helps a person grow and expand their mind. It invites other people's thoughts that could even help out the other person who would have otherwise shut the conversation down from ever even starting. This is the biggest mistake with the word and sentence policing is that shutting down the word exchange shuts down the mind growth. It shuts down a potential channel for empathy to even start growing. So it's a really ass backwards, back assed shit. I mean, thing. I'm trying to not cut to cuss here. Good luck, Lindsay. I just want you guys to think about this. I, I really firmly believe that, you know, if you just if you just flat out shut down a conversation, then you're not even going to realize that maybe someone could have empathy or sympathy for you and or just, you know, exactly what I said and not what I just said. <laughs> All of this is really a life of delusion to have people eating at your feet and to be a servant or to have other people's, you know, other humans be a servant to your ways and your ways only. And heaven forbid they catch you going to church that, you know, isn't for transgender is ill. Good Lord. It's the most sincere form of attention. Having someone follow all your rules keeps someone's attention on you because it's your rules. The more pronouns you add, the further you push yourself from what you desire, which I, I think what they desire, it seems, I thought, was unity, diversity, and recognizing they were all, that we are all just humans. I see them post images of skeletons on, uh, like, they did this thing for, like, Halloween where it's, like, just skeletons, and it says, like, black, white, Hispanic, disabled, you know, basically meaning, like, we're all the same. But I was like, how ironic is that image, is that they are the ones separating themselves from the world even further? You know, it... I feel like maybe the, they're setting this out to be intentionally confusing. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me, man. Um, you know, once you look past what they're saying, you know, because some of it, I think people have just followed suit because, you know, I think a lot of people do want, you know, unity and people to get along, you know, that are hearing this transgender thing, but they haven't dug deeper and to see what it really is. And what, what is this? What, how did this happen so fast and from seemingly nowhere? Um, is the aggressiveness, it's, yeah, goodness gracious. Um, all I can see with all this is that with critical thinking thrown out the window, the deep thinking about their choices cannot take place. Therefore, they cannot see the irony in their ways. Also, they keep feeding the demon that grows inside them. You know, the injustice, racism, everything's unfair. Uh, you don't think like I do. Um, the more, the more they focus on those energies, the bigger those dark energies grow. And the more they grow, the harder it is to be to come to a critical thought because you become so engulfed in the negative self-victim-blaming mentality, it becomes your life. Instead, it's uh, I think it's important to talk about the history and where people come from. It helps humans learn. Um, if you forcefully remove your past an old name or old persona, throw it in the trash, quote, dead name it, my first thought is that they are wanting to erase their past and start totally over. 
And, you know, none of us get to live in that world where you where you have to, I mean, you know, none of us get to like start anew. You you get to live with your life and your choices and everyone makes mistakes and, you know, if something really bad happened to you, like sexual abuse or assault or rape or, you know, horrible stuff, which is obviously horrible, or you made some mistakes, whether it's, you know, basically whether it came from someone else or yourself, you need to live with that. And I don't believe changing your sex or your name or identifying with another thing or, you know, a ment- mentality is going to, it will never erase that. Um, I think it's a foolish thing to do. It 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 doesn't work. I think it just further pushes you into de- to delusion. I, I don't think it's healthy at all. You know, I, I understand that there's a, I am, I, I do understand that there's a lot of pain with these people um, that are identifying as transgender. I really recognize that. And I, I'm extremely sympathetic to that. And I, you know, I, I know that come across as aggressive and angry a lot of times about it, but um, I, I do believe most of it is a mental illness. And, and mental illnesses aren't bad. It doesn't mean you're a shitty person. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. I think it's realistic to say it's a mental illness. And there's, you know, if we if we don't want to use the word mental illness, you can call it, you know, something is awry or something, you know, what do they call it? Like the, the wirings are uh, not lining up or something. I just don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying that, you know, having depression or dysmorphia is a bad thing. It isn't. I think it's important to discover and dig deep about why that is and, you know, un- unfold it and uh, read more into it and not just throw the book to the side. I think it, it can bring enlightenment and peace and to just ignore that and identify with some other thing, I think is, you know, a really f- unfortunate um, band-aid, a very artificial band-aid that will quickly dissolve, you know, and uh, time and again, I've read these stories of detrans people and even some trans people uh, currently that are, it didn't solve anything. They still have these feelings of body dysmorphia and they're still depressed. And in, in a lot of the cases, it exacerbates it and makes it worse. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, it's better to get it wrong first and then figure it out after. It's how we learn and grow. You know, um, when you start with the, let's, oh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, these are all my notes and I try to organize them. I'm telling, I'm telling you, um, when, when you start a sentence with, I am black, trans, queer, cis, or whatever, lesbian, etc., Um, and now everything is so unfair in that you have to look at my identity to raise me to equal. It provokes guilty thoughts and tries to shine light on the differences in distribution as proof of racism or sexism or homophobia or transphobia, as as they say, which is, yeah. They promise heaven on earth, a utopia, which is somehow transgenderism. Academics pull apologies without even looking at it. Yeah. I mean, not even academics. I mean, everyone, a lot of people do it. Yep. Making people do things to feel your pain. That kind of forceful awareness only makes nice people be more aware. It doesn't change rude people. It makes nice people more nice. I'm not going to lie. James Lindsay said that. And I'm like, yes, exactly. I've noticed this with one of my friends. Um, they're a wonderful friend. They're very empathetic and a wonderful, peaceful um, person. But I've also seen them be, it just seems exhausting the life they live of, of being overly nice to people and, um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know their stance on transgenderism or any of that, but, 
um, in terms of like he's totally one of those people that would be just become more more nice. Like they're already nice, man. Rude people are going to continue to be rude. You're not going to convince someone by stuff. <laughs> just yeah, I don't need to even expand on that. I mean, I, I wish I could because I don't know how to. I'm just like. It just makes sense to me, you know, angry people or racist people imagine being like, one love, peace, and they'll be like, fuck you, you know, it's just like, it's, it's futile, like I mentioned earlier. You know, it's 2020, anyone can write something that sounds medically legit until you read more into it. The internet, for some reason, this year specifically, has given everyone the power to say one thing and then have a cult following of believers as long as you have arrogance and confidence, and more importantly, if you are deeply rooted in narcissism. Hmm... Yeah, let's see. So many notes. Um, yeah, I'm going to go on here. So Buck Angel is a famous uh, female to male transgender person. Um, they took testosterone, the walls of his vagina. Okay, I'm going to read this. Uh, I, I wrote it how someone in an interview was saying. It just, I know, because that's just leads to confusion. I'm not trying to be rude to Buck Angel at all. I know they identify as a male, but I don't want to confuse the listener right now on what I'm about to read. So, again, Buck Angel was a female to male, or is a female to male, excuse me. When they took testosterone, the walls of her vagina hardened, her uterus and cervix fused together, infection came on, and she got septic and nearly died. So a pap smear doesn't tell doctors how bad the inside of, the, of a, anyone's body is. So, you know, uh, and, you know, trans people don't get ultrasounds. They only found out how bad it was from an ultrasound. So can you imagine the, the females that are taking testosterone and the damage that's going on that you were that they're literally unaware of? Because, you know, it's not going to always present itself as pain or whatnot until typically it's too late. Um, I think that's something that is terrifying and very real and something that needs to be taken into account. But of course, it would never be taken into account for clinics that are having children come in to be confused individuals that are obviously led on to believe that they are transgender from their social circles online. Excuse me. It's a social contagion. Um, yeah, I noticed a huge trend with the trans culture being like Satanists and Wiccan Um and uh, there's stark parallels with how many teenagers that identify now as suddenly being trans that have that currently have or have, have had an eating disorder. And this has been very eye open or very like aha moment for me because I, I, as you know, I, or maybe you don't know, uh, I had anorexia in my 20s for six years and depression before that and during that, obviously. No one is a happy anorexic, let me tell you. So with an eating disorder, in my case, anorexia, you're in a constant state, you know, fog. You don't function at 100% level mentally or even physically. I always wanted to take a nap. You feel, all I wanted to do was like eat a low calorie snack and sleep. You feel alienated. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying this as in like someone who's anorexic. I really should have written this as I. I felt alienated. I, I self-isolated. Um, and I reached desires to reach horrifying levels. Oh, yeah. You know, you just... It, Reaching a low weight is never enough, and you always want to go further. There's really, like, no end to it. Um, and the most sick person is the one that's, like, awarded and, like, looked up to. It just never ends. It's really sick. Uh, no pun intended. The sickest person gets the most attention. Um, so when I like when eating disorders become too mainstream, what else is there? Transgenderism. Why not? Wanting to control something in your life? Why not control the world and everyone around you? 
hello. You know, I've heard time and again that eating disorder folks have had lack of control in their life, you know, either from someone in their family or someone controlling them too much and not being able to do their own thing to where they get to control one thing in their life, which is literally what you put in your body. And I've mentioned this before. And I think that's something that should not be ignored, that it, it's this crazy parallel with transgenderism of controlling the world and everyone around it. Um, yeah, I did a comparison of uh, vegans. I was vegan for a year. Ugh. I've seen a lot of people who are vegans fall into the, you know, healing crystals, holier, holier than thou mentality. Also a cult, by the way. Because you're not functioning at a full, healthy steam engine human. You are much more susceptible to dark forces or cult ideology trends. Um, you know, when you're vegan, I firmly don't believe, I mean, for me, and I know some people say that it works for them, but I don't believe it. And I'm allowed to say that because vitamin B12 is one of the most important, crucial vitamins that a vegan person lacks. And, um, yeah, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but, you know, living a life of supplements is not the way to live a life when there's food that you can eat. You know, it's another way to, I'm special. Look at me. I'm vegan. We can't eat here if you're in a group of friends because I'm vegan. It's very selfish, honestly. A lot of this shit is very selfish. Um, so yeah, dark forces. When you're when you're when you're spiritually dull and living with a dying light, you are a walking target for dark forces. You're a fly being lured into a sticky trap. I know that sounds woo woo, but I am a spiritual person and I firmly believe that dark forces are always waiting around the corner which are people that want to take advantage of you in one way or another, almost always for monetary gain or cult recruitment for the evil powers at be to grow stronger power in numbers. After all, you know, you look for a new church or a group mentality, you know, quote church, we all want to be accepted and loved. And that's the sheer fact of being a human. Um, again, if you disagree with it, you don't want to be accepted or loved right into me. Um, you know, one of the most, sad things I've seen about the transgender cult is that as soon as you think about leaving the cult or that you're not trans, you'll be chastised, skewered, you know, crucified. Oh, God, you know, I just imagine being this young person going through hormones and changes and you're very uncomfortable. I think we can all say, I'm not gonna speak for everyone, but for myself, you know, I looked back on it and I don't remember going through puberty. I mean, it was definitely uncomfortable. I'm like, ah, uh, you know, uh, my mom being like boobies and I'm like Ugh, awkward. And I didn't like the attention I got from males, period. I, I just didn't. Um, um, it was very uncomfortable. You know, I didn't like being looked at like an object. It was so, yeah, it is. Un it was uncomfortable. I got my period really early um, and I dealt with it. You know, I read the fucking box about how to do a tampon. And I'm like, what? Um, not the box, it's like a little piece of paper inside of it. Um, you know, I think it's just, everyone goes through that of being uncomfortable. It's not uncommon. It's the, it's normal. And you, it's, I think it's something you just need to sit with and go through and let your body do its changes, um, and become a human and an, and an adult of your biological sex. And I think meddling with that is truly playing with God, playing, playing with God, <laughs> playing God, truly. You know, it just, all of this really affect, affected me greatly as a woman. It's okay to feel different. We all feel different. And a lot, I think a lot of the gender, gender dysphoria uh, with most of the young girls, I don't think it's gender dysphoria. I just think it's uncomfortableness of, you know, becoming a woman, um, you know, eh, goodness, you know, it's a lot of self-diagnosing.
I don't even know if I want to mention this one because it's ridiculous, but I kind of do because it's another angle. I wrote this absurd points. Maybe I should just start putting these in my podcast episode. Um, yeah, it's an absurd point. A transgender activist says straight men should work through non-attraction to transgender women. By the way, transgender women, let me remind you, is a male that became a woman. Okay. So they're basically saying straight men should work through their non-attraction to men that are playing as a woman. <sighs> this activist insists that straight men, I, I, almost want, I don't want to mention this because this person doesn't deserve airtime, but I think it is important to mention this because this is how absurd they fucking get, you know? I think once they're allowed to have these, uh, you know, I feel like they they feel safe in these areas where there's, I don't know if there's like, you know, actual laws, yeah, you know, all these uh, big pharma and big tech stuff are the higher-ups with billions of money get to put out these, quote, you know, documents that people have to abide by, you know, corporations and law enforcements. Um, they Then once that's, you know, enacted and they're given these freedoms, I feel like the perversion of transgenderism just gets, it gets worse and uh, the, the ideas behind it get very uh, fantasy-like, you know? They get to make up their own things and this one is very clear to me that this is insane. Um, absurd. A transgender activist insists that straight men who don't desire transgender women simply have an issue they should try to work through. This is one of their Twitter quotes. Quote, it's subject to, to the effect of incredible numbers of straight men who want us but refuse to ever admit it and cover it, cover it with transphobia? I fucking hate this shit when people are like, oh, you don't like me, but you're really just really, you're, God, what is it? I'm trying to, they don't, they're trying to say that straight men would never admit to it because they're covering up a transphobic stuff. No. How fucking gross is this, by the way? Making people, oh, you need to work through that, honey. You need to work that out. You know, (laughs) you need to work that through. I'm like, uh, someone's preference on what sex and gender they like has nothing to... You have no business policing that shit and trying to put it into our minds that uh, that 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 the straight men have a issue. Fuck that right... Get the fuck out. Um, moving on. <laughs> so I did a... Well, so what I've noticed with uh, frequenting these uh, trans subreddits and D-trans and doing all my research is, um, you know, there's a... Uh, trans timeline subreddit that I also studied. And what I've been really honestly noticing with these people is that they do not look mentally sane. They don't look happy. They don't look like a thriving person. Um, And I was like, let me, I want to do this. So I spent time um, taking, cutting out basically these either D-trans or currently trans people or, you know, right before they went into the trans thing. Um, I cut out their eyes and put it into, that sounded so weird. I, you know, snipped it out of the photo because I didn't want their, I wanted to remain, remain anonymous. I don't, you know, even though I do believe the whole face is very telling, um, it was just the eyes and I put it out on the interwebs and I wanted people's opinions with no, I didn't say what this was. I said, what, you know, I said, what does this make you, uh, what, looking at these eyes, what do they tell you? Uh, what do you see? So basically, um, you know, face perception is a study of faces and eyes. Um, and I did that, you know, with the trans people. Um, 
Yeah. So the, let me, well, yeah. Their post titles on Reddit of the trans timeline stuff is, you know, before where, you know, they're living their biological sex life. Um, and then the after or like the second photo is the currently, you know, either on testosterone or estrogen or wearing a wig or whatever. And I'm going to read some of the titles of these uh, posts they've made of their trans timeline, starting with, quote, from cringe to cute. Um, I really hate that, uh, or it's unfortunate that they use the word cringe. I'm like, man, we all went through cringy years. Like, I think it's very, like, distorted. I hate using the same words all the time, but I'm like, you're not shitty or like, God, anyways, let me just keep reading. Uh, quote, turn my nopes into hopes. Next one, quote, from barely surviving to fully thriving. Next is from confused to less confused. Uh, okay. Next one is LMAO. Don't even recognize the one on the, on the left. They're, okay, next one is puking face emoji, 2010 puking face emoji versus sparkle emoji, 2020 sparkle emoji. And the next one is... Uh, well, no, that's the last one I actually wrote down. But reading those was just, I, it was very apparent to me that it was extreme themes of self-hatred. And, you know, I don't even recognize that person. You know, they put on this front to the rest of Reddit in that post title that, ha ha, look at that person. They're literally bullying themselves to then, so they could be accepted in their quote, new form. Um, I think that's messed up. I think that's... Uh, it shows to me how very harsh they are on themselves and you know the underlying th thing going on here so yeah the replies uh, about those eyes um that are also from those you know post titles um and i'll post it on my patreon so you can decide for yourself or write down what you think you see in them although now you know what the eyes are but whatever um and the replies i got on my social media from other people looking at those eyes said sadness uncertainty despair anger over it. Depression was my first thought. Worry, concern, anxiety, stress, apathy, disinterest, concern, worry, surprise, confusion, depression, and another disinterest or depression, you know. And I wanted to do that because I'm like, well, you know, I believe that I'm a very empathetic person and I can read people's energies. I don't, I'm not a mind. That sounds so cringy, but you know what I mean? Uh, I'm being very genuine, genuine about that. I can feel the vibe from someone. Um, and I was like, well, that's me. And I don't want to say that that's just, you know, I don't want to use just me. I think it's great to have other people's thoughts on it. So I thought it was uh, really important to get other people's ideas on what those eyes were. And everything they said was exactly what I would say as well. Um, and a lot of them look like uh, their faces are like... Uh, they aren't even believing what they are to themselves. You know, I've heard the term imposter syndrome a lot with these transgender people that they look at themselves in the mirror and like, who the fuck is this? You know, and a lot of the faces are like, eh, yeah, D do you believe it? Because I don't know who I am in this world. A lot of vacant smiles, a lot of just really dead behind the eyes. It's really, it's really sad. You know, when I did that study, um, it definitely got to me, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's, it just, uh, reeks of mental illness. Like, uh, I have no question. There's no, uh, it just flat out is. Oh yeah. That fun little thing there. Tampax. 
Uh, let me go to my Twitter, actually, because it's the actual tweet. Oh, goodness. Here we go. This was made in September 15th. Tampax US. Tampax is a uh, tampon company for women that have periods, okay? Except they write this. I'm not even kidding. I wish I was. Fact. Not all women have periods. Also a fact. Not all women with periods are women. Let's celebrate the diversity of all people who bleed. Hashtag myth busting. Hashtag period truths. And hashtag trans is beautiful. Seriously? People who bleed? Okay. No. Women are women, and only women have periods. That is a pure biological scientific fact. Women's rights are being trampled on repeatedly. Enough is enough, man. That's, that's absurd. So there's a lot more, you know, just fuckery all over the place. There's a lot of Reddit controversy about, you know, subreddits being banned. Over the last three plus years, activists on Reddit have been engaged in a censorship campaign against detransitioners by targeting the, on, the main online community, detrans. Despite the use of unethical site rule-breaking and sometimes even illegal tactics, Reddit admins do nothing. According to trans activists, detransitioners can convene so long as we express un- unequivocal enthusiasm for trans affirmation and the efficacy of medical transition. Only problem is many detransitioners feel and were objectively harmed by both of those. Uh, and, uh, this was a, a Twitter thread by, uh, it was, a th- I believe, the same person, Helen or Helena from uh, Benjamin's podcast, because I read her Twitter after I watched her interview. I wish I had that pulled up. Uh, yeah, Helena. Um, she really broke down the Reddit controversy, and I will find that and put it in the show notes. Uh, where is it? Let's see. They noticed that all the posts by detransitioners were being deleted. And the post, uh, the posted, he posted requesting answers to no avail. Yeah. Hashtag Jenner woo woo. Oh, God. <laughs> the next one I wrote. If you're tired, don't read this. Oh, man. I think I want to read it, though, just because I was going to split this podcast up into two segments, but why not? I mean, I still could technically, but mm, hold on, let me read some more uh, or, to, you know, decide. Um. Yeah, well, mm, yeah, no, let me just skip over that part, actually. It was like, yeah. (sighs) Um, I've seen a lot of young adults say it's a breath of fresh air to get off social media and cleanse themselves of all these other thoughts and ideas bombarding and literally harassing their social media experience, Um, which is a great idea, by the way. It's an interesting dynamic of younger people pushing away their parents from themselves. Typically, the parents know what's best for their child, not the state or the government or anyone else. I know that some parents are harmful or awful to these kids, but it's another form of escapism from their bad parents. What I'm finding is that um, I believe the majority of these cases are a lost, vulnerable duckling floating in the water alone without parental guidance or ignorant parents who have no clue how easy it is to fall into social media traps and group things. DeviantArt, Tumblr, Reddit, take your pick. You know, I just see them as people with, they have no sail. There's no compass in life. None of those groups have a foundation based on the good for humanity or a person's future. They make up their own genders, rules, and ways to think and how to actually police people. 
Suddenly, they're taken in by another artificial online family that at a glance looks welcoming, loving, and warm, and all accepting, except it's not, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the youth are, you know, find a online family. Um, a lot of the people that are transgender, they seem to follow a script. It doesn't seem to be very genuine that it's their own thought. Um, and it doesn't seem they have the, they have the ability to think for themselves. Um, you know, a lot of them, well, it's just pointless because a lot of them almost, yeah, I'm going to, most all just don't have conversations at all. Um, it seemed that if they had dysphoria, it was self-cultivated in the sense that by obsessing on their gender and tying their validation to their pronouns, misgendering and similar behaviors became an act that struck their ego deeply. I think, I'm, yeah, you know what that means. You know, all this shit is just uh, clearly an ego trip um, and narcissism. Jesus, man. You know, if there's so much focus on an outwardly appearance, why should that matter if the darkness inside them hasn't gotten real psychological help? You know, like, why do you have to change your body and rip it up, you know, to be something else when you haven't even try to help out what's going on in your brain, which can, you know, is your motor to yourself, man. Hmm. Goodness gracious. Yeah. I'm going to leave that for the next podcast. I'll, I'll divulge into autogonophilia because I think it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. Um, mega. Um, God, should I bring that into it as well? Uh, Hmm. No, I'll get into that as well, because it, uh, it falls in line with it. Um, so one of the, uh, I guess, big YouTube personalities for transgenderism, uh, female to male, is someone called Cody Talks, and uh, some of their videos that I watched was about their phalloplasty journey. Um, this person was once a female, but became a transgender man. Not a man, but a transgender man. But remember, no one can become any other chromosome except the one they were born with. There are only two genders... So I just looked over their, their YouTube video. I mean, their, uh, you know, uh, I guess, um, library of videos. And I realized all of it's, they're living this life of clickbait, you know? Um, here's some of their YouTube video titles, literally. Um, this isn't good. Next one. I'm so awkward. Next one. Am I natural? Next one. I can do better. Next one. My breaking point. Next one. This could be my last. Next one is, my worst time for this to happen. Next one, I don't know what is happening. Next one, why am I wearing a glucose monitor? Next one, I've lost my motivation. Next one, is this the end? Next one, there's no turning back. Next one, I have to make a decision. Uh, next one is, FTM phalloplasty surgery has been canceled. Interesting, by the way. With the thumbnail that reads, this is insanity. Like, all I see is this person is not only given into this transgender cult, but realize they can make money off of clickbaity YouTube shit. Um, I find it to be very disingenuous. Um, so one of the first videos I watched about this person um, was one of their beginning journey things, or um, I guess post beginning of their phalloplasty journey. Um... I thought I had the definition of phalloplasty. 
Phalloplasty is when you you construct a fake penis for a female or someone that um um yeah. Anyways, so yeah, when I was watching it, I actually because the title of it was like seeing my arm for the first time, and I thought it was oh my god, this person has gone to the lengths of cutting their arm off to get attention because uh. Yuri and I have talked about that as, as being the next trend of people amputating parts of themselves to get attention. So I was not surprised that I was like, oh, it's happening. Look at this. But then I realized it was a video about their starting journey, you know, to get phalloplasty. And it was so disturbing. I broke down in tears. Um, it was absolutely horrifying that doctors are willing to do this to someone who is clearly, um, I mean, uh, you know, they're willing to mutilate themselves because they're mental illness and we all just turn a blind eye. Um, Someone on the on that video, on Cody's video said, "You got a pee pee, yay!" Uh, what? Like, the fuck? And it's it's spelled pee pee with two p's. What? It's like such an immature comment. Obviously written by a, I don't know a kid. So uh, Cody was talking about in this video. Um, well, I think the second video actually. The first video was they showed their arm after they. Phalloplasty, one of the ways they can do it is... Uh, I thought I wrote this down somewhere. Let's see. Oh, yeah, I did. I should have put it up there. Anyways. Oh, okay. The neophallus itself is constructed from one or more flaps of skin of subcutaneous fat, which are tubed to resemble a penis. By the way, I've seen it, and it's just... Anyways, many different techniques are used by different surgeons to create the neophallus. Um, the so-called state-of-the-art technique currently being used by some surgeons is a free flap of, stitch, of tissues removed from the forearm or the leg and attached at the proper location by means of microvascular anastomosis or of the arteries and veins of the transferred tissue. Okay, basically they rip up your fucking forearm. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the other video, because that first video was them showing the arm and it was more, it was horrifying. I was just um, completely shocked that someone was willing to do this to themselves. So after that, they have like an update video of, oh, um, there's some side effects to ripping off your layer of your forearm. They literally listed these off as side effects. Nerve sensitivity, thumb numbness. Um, tightness and issues working out. This person is a very big workout person. I think they're taking the journey of like a, a, a bodybuilder now. Um, and the arm gets inflamed. It's bothersome. It only gets tighter and hot weather affects the upper arm. There's a tourniquet effect from the wrist down the upper arm, which is honestly just holy shit when you see it because they show it in the video, the comparison of the one hand over the other, our forearm. Well, it's the hand um, down to the elbow, basically. It's literally causing a fucking tourniquet effect. And the hand is like red because the blood can't free flow. I'm like, and I, I, this person caused them. I don't want to say, I don't want to blame it on this person. Oops. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that are to blame for this. And I don't think Cody should be blamed for this because they're a, they're a victim of this um, guinea pig fucking era. I'll go on to their side effects. Um, mobility issues, weaker grip, hand cramping, extra fluid pulls in the hand while they sleep. They had to inject fat into an area of the forearm that had the most nerve sensitivity. I mean, it looks like a Frankenstein 
Um, but what's so crazy is that they speak so plainly about it all, like, oh, it's nothing, you know, I'm just dealing with this. And I find it really disgusting. This person's also, you know, you know, as much as I think there's also other people to blame, not just Cody, but I think it's disgusting that Cody's doing this to get clicks and sympathy and, oh my God, I, I, by mutilating their fucking body, you only get one body. Um, they went to say that, you know, they're having all these crazy bad side effects and that they're they're going to get a uh, a fix. But they quickly, Cody quickly said instead of fix, they used the word relief. Um, because to say fix would imply it was an error and heaven forbid that, that she, she, he, uh, she would, whatever, Cody never made an error. Um, so even they couldn't admit it was a mistake because, you know, you're not allowed to admit anything that goes against the transgender ideologue, you know, I, I, ideal, just ideas. So they're, they said they're going to go to a clinic in San Francisco and it's called the Bunky Clinic. I looked it up and on their website, it says they repair nerve injury. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's very obvious that that Cody has nerve injury, nerve injury, dude. That's, you know, this is obvious to me that this transgender craze is a huge, like I said, money-making ploy and, you know, you get, it's a, for life, you know, the, the, Cody was saying that they're this, the, all this surgery and going back to surgery and fixing and they're really tired of it. Um, but they said at the same time, it's really uncomfortable and they want to get some relief and they don't want to go to the same doctor. She, he, uh, he said, and claims a new doctor is way more attentive, which is, uh, okay. Like, yeah, I'm going to read some side effects of phalloplasty here for you. Loss of the phallus, again, this is a fake penis, from either disease or blood supply issues, cephalic vein thrombosis, blood clot, arterial ischemia, shortage of blood supply, infection, distal limited necrosis, death of parts of the penis, and hematoma, bruise. <laughs> I love this hematoma. I'm like, that's it? Um, I don't know. Um, let's see. Because I was like, is it a permanent bruise? Anyways, in the same study, chances of complications of the extended urethra were higher. Oh, there's some process about, oh, Lord God Almighty. <laughs> Extending the urethra, like, to the inside of the shaft of the penis. Um, and the complications of that were uh, urinary fistula hole requiring perennial urethrostomy. Urinary fistula hole with conservative treatment, urinary retention, um, or narrowing of the new urethra. Um, yeah. So let's see. There was a study done in, um, that's weird. There isn't a year. It's from the Urology Journal, um, which I had to really dig deep about what the hell this is. Like, I wanted to find out who did this study. Um, and it's apparently from a scientific journal at Gold Journal goldjournal.net and the editor-in-chief is Dr. Eric A. Klein. Um, it's Urology L. Sevier Pharma Solutions. ELSmediakits.com. So a total of 32 patients were identified. 22 underwent free radical forearm flap. 5 anterolateral, which is situated or occurring in front or to the side. That's what that word means. 5 anterolateral thigh. 4 anterolateral thigh free radial forearm flap. So this is like different areas that they take sections of your body to create this fake penis. And one fistular flap phalloplasty. The median age at prosthesis implantation was 36, range 21 to 59 years old. So, you know, the average. 
uh, at first implantation, uh, 16 inflatable and 16 malleable prostheses were placed. Of these, five were removed or replaced because of infection, two because of leakage, two because of, two because of extrusion, two because of dislocation, two because of dysfunction, and one because of pain. The post-operative course was completely uneventful in 10 patients. Of all implanted prostheses, including revision procedures, were surgically replaced or removed. Their conclusion is prosthesis explantation, replacement, or revision surgery occurs frequently after penile prosthesis implantation. Patients need to be well-informed preoperatively on these complication rates. To me, this reads as, you don't get to play God, motherfucker. (sighs) I can't believe I got through all of that. Uh, Wow, because I had a lot. This might be my longest podcast, but that's okay. Um, You know, it's definitely a lot to take in. And, um, you know, people need to open their eyes to what all this is. Because it really is not the simple, you know, um, everyone should have equal rights. And, you know, you're a human and I... I, um, I will respect you and I, and I do respect people, but I don't respect this, um, you know, large law firm and, uh, you know, big pharma taking advantage of young people and honestly of females in the world and the homosexual community has largely been really affected by this. And I mean, mega, a lot of, you know, mostly I feel like lesbians, it's really a catastrophic. A lot of, uh, homosexual and mostly lesbians are, um, being basically converted to the cult of transgenderism, you know? Um, so I, well, let me, th- let me see if there's anything else I wanted to mention. Um, you know, I have this entire past week, I feel like I was mentioning to Yuri, I was like, Oh God, my uh, podcast recording is today. I feel like I'm going to a test where I don't, I don't have, I didn't get to study everything because I really feel like there's so much to digest out there about all this. Cause it really is deep. Um, you know, there are billionaires behind this uh, transgender movement, and you, you can't ignore it, you know. Um, and I really commend um, Jennifer Jennifer Bilek for the 11th hour blog. It's incredible what she writes, and I work um, hand-in-hand with her to put out little infographics on Twitter. Um, and she's a wonderful person. But anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening. This was... Um, I know it was heavy to listen to and a little bit long and I hope it, I hope something got through to you, you know, whether, you know, it, it piques your interest and you want to find out more, you can absolutely do that on my Patreon, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash distorted lens. You know, I want to hear what you guys think about this. I really do. My Patreon is a safe place where you can discuss this stuff. You don't have to feel, um, you know, like you're going to be cast out for just thinking, you know, I think it's important to keep conversations flowing. Um, yeah, you know, there's two genders, male and female. Um, love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful Friday and weekend. And I really, really, really encourage you to check out, uh, the links that I'm going to provide on my Patreon and in the show notes, but on my Patreon, I am going to, um, post some photos there that will be, you know, eye openers. So thank you guys so much for listening. Tell a friend if someone doesn't understand what all this is, guide them to my podcast. Um, And also this isn't a, you know, I don't do this for free. I mean, I technically am doing it for free, but I think I would really appreciate your donations if you can. 
um, which you can do that on my Patreon by choosing one of the tiers, you know, there's different tiers you can choose and you can, um, you know, cancel that out when you want to because it charges you month by month. But anywho, thank you guys so much. Uh, Namaste. The truth shall set us free. Don't forget to rate my podcast on Apple podcast. Also by rating it, um, can you also leave a uh, written review? I really appreciate that. Um, I love reading them. (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys. Okay, I'm done.